Hello and welcome to another episode of Vipers Voices, a podcast by the Desert Vipers, a side playing in the DP world ILT20 in the UAE. And this is a special episode because it's the first of a two-part interview with all-rounder Tom Curran. In this first part of our chat, we talk about the inaugural ILT20 when the Vipers lost in the final to the Gulf Giants and we also talk about what Tom's been up to during the rest of the year with action in the Pakistan Super League for Islamabad United, the T20 Blast in the UK for Surrey and then for the Oval Invincibles in the 100 where he produced an incredible innings in the final against the Manchester Originals to see Tom Moody's side to a memorable title success. Tom Curran also reflects on a brief trip to the Caribbean Premier League playing one match for the Trinbago Knight Riders. He talks us through his frustrations with injuries and his decision not to play red ball cricket this year and he gives us his thoughts on why England's Cricket World Cup defence has turned into such a damp squib. It's a terrific, insightful chat you won't want to miss and it's up next here on Vipers Voices. Tom, thanks very much for joining us. First of all, let's have a chat about your reflections of the first season of ILT20 and your time with the Desert Vipers. From your perspective, what went right and what could have could have gone better, both for yourself and the team? I loved it. It was an amazing, amazing experience being a part of the Desert Vipers for the inaugural uh, ILT20. What an amazing franchise. Honestly, I can't fault many things. The one thing that went wrong would have probably been losing the final, to be honest. Um, the journey we went on as a team, the the group of players we had, the coaching staff, uh, physios, management team, everyone. It was just it was just a great setup and I really, really enjoyed my time there. So I cannot wait to get back. Well, you mentioned the, the final there. The Gulf Giants were the champions and deservedly so. They beat the Vipers in the final. But here's a question for you. I'm going to give you a time machine now. Uh, if you could change one thing about that final to try and alter the result, what would it be? Maybe just start again, because I don't think we'll have as bad a power play. I think Hales, he got out quickly. You know, just we were, we were sort of fighting an uphill battle from, from that first 10 minutes of the final, um, which we still managed to get it. You know, we took it a fair distance. They they sort of got the runs in the end pretty easily. But, uh, you know, for a long period of that chase, it was it was game on. So, um, look, it was it was tough. We didn't get enough runs. Um, and I think that was that was the, the simple reason we lost. Well, look, you were the Vipers joint second highest wicket taker along with Sheldon Cottrell. You picked up 12 wickets. Only one Indu Hasaranga, in fact, with 15, took more for the side. Your economy rate, that was 8.7, which in the modern era, and of course you usually bowling at the death, was was more than steady, really. Were you happy with your efforts with the ball? Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was happy. I think, yeah, I didn't feel like I took many wickets um, throughout the competition. But, you know, when you're winning, um, I felt like I was contributing to two of those performances. Um, and that's that's the most important thing, to be honest, you know, contributing to wins. 
Um, you know, if we if we're losing all those games and I'm not picking up wickets or anything, then I guess that's that's something to take a look at. But I felt like I was bowling well. We were sharing wickets around the group, and you know, we we had an opportunity to to win a trophy. So yeah, I was pleased with it. What about your efforts with the bat? You actually got 150 runs, at a strike rate of close to 130. That's very useful, isn't it? Coming in in the lower middle order where you were, where you usually found yourself. So you must be pretty happy with that as well, I guess. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm happy now. I feel I feel in a great place right now. But throughout that tournament, I didn't feel in the most amazing nick, to be honest. I mean, the the scores, I got a few scores and some cont- uh, contributed with some sort of cameos at the end and some good partnerships. But in terms of how I was feeling, I was I was tinkering. You know, I was I was playing around with some stuff. But again, you know, all all of that in in the in the build up or the journey to where we are now, um, and I feel good. Overall, did conditions during the tournament surprise you? After all, apart from Hasaranga, uh, there were very few spinners who achieved very much, and it was seam and swing that really proved the most effective style of bowling. And, and I don't think many people would have predicted that at the outset, would they? Yeah, it was really interesting, actually. I think the the, the smart balls we figured were swinging more, a lot more, sort of, you know, throughout the power play, sometimes more if you don't get whacked to the boundary too many times. <laughs> but, you know, that was great us you know to have someone like Sheldon bowling hooping it three up front which I mean it obviously had a knock-on effect in terms of where I bowled I wasn't getting much (laughs) much swing with it Uh, but it was great you know I think there was a it was a great for the game really it was a I thought it uh, proved to or contributed to um, to some competitive games and it was a nice even battle between bat and ball. You know, the openers weren't just coming out and absolutely teeing it. I, I enjoyed the style, the style of cricket. So in terms of surprises, I guess maybe just the fact that the ball swung a little bit more. But the the conditions, we've played a fair bit in Dubai over the years um, and Abu Dhabi, so it wasn't too surprised with the conditions. Was it a hard decision to come back to the Vipers for a second season? Obviously, there are a lot of other leagues going around uh, the world in January and February. I'd signed already, so it wasn't it wasn't hard. It was a very very easy decision. It was you know Moods is running a, such a smooth ship there, and I've spent some time with him at different competitions as well. Like I touched on earlier, you know the whole coaching staff and management team were just so great, um, and the group of players that we have all gelled really well. Such good guys. And then you looked at the signings we've made now. I mean, we look a decent side. <laughs> just backtracking. After your experience with the ILT20, you bounced straight into the Pakistan Super League with the uh, Islamabad United side. The same side, obviously, as Alex Hales, Colin Munro, and your soon-to-be Vipers teammates, Shadab Khan and Azam Khan. What was that experience like? I I noticed there was very little opportunity for you with the bat in that tournament, but you you did take eight wickets in the five matches you played. It was a great experience, to be honest. Um, one, you know, I mean, you can play as much cricket as you have, well, as we all have over the years and in different conditions and stuff. And quite randomly, things that you feel improve you as a cricketer will hit you at times. And going to the PSL, yeah, I felt it definitely helped me a lot. The wickets were unbelievably flat. The fields were tiny, rapid outfields and gun batters, you know. <laughs> so the the standard was really high and... Yeah, just some just some skills based things and things that worked on that wickets. Most things that work in Pakistan and on those wickets will work anywhere in the world and on any wickets. So I took a lot of confidence from that. 
And yeah, it was it was enjoyable. I mean, the past couple of years has just been really frustrating as a whole for me in terms of my body and injuries. It's just been sort of one little thing after the next. After the ILT, was it after? Yeah, it was. I went straight to PSL and then had to leave just before the final there for my stress fracture. Another stress fracture had come up second year. But luckily, because it was a similar sort of pain and area, I think I called it at the right time and it healed healed really quickly, which allowed me to catch uh, play back end of the summer now with Surrey uh, in the blast and then the 100, obviously. So, yeah, hopefully this whole little two, three, four-year period is just sort of two steps forward, one step back, that sort of thing, and we, we're on a, on a good path at the minute. How easy or tough was it for you to bounce straight from the disappointment of the ILT20 final to crack on with another tournament just a matter of days later? Was it actually a good thing to ensure you didn't dwell on the loss or was there a bit of a mental hangover for you? Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't say I felt too much of a mental hangover. I mean, losing that final hurt, there's no doubt about that. But I mean, sort of, yeah, I guess that's 24, 48 hours when the dust sort of settles, you do take the positives. And the fact that, like I said, the way we actually lost that final kind of made it a little bit easier um, you know, if we had got 220 and bowled terribly and they chased it down, I think that would probably have stung and hurt a lot more. You know, we played some great cricket throughout the competition. We topped the group. We were, you know, we we thought we were, you know, definitely one of the two best sides, us and Gulf Giants. And unfortunately, we just lost in the final. So I, I don't, I didn't think it took too much time. You know, it's 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 still in the back of my uh, mind as a little sting. But again, uh, at least we've got next year uh, or this year now, not too long away to try and um, to try and go one better. Did it make things easier for you having a couple of players like Alex Hales and, and Colin Munro there in Pakistan, people you've played with for the previous month, as well as Azam Mahmood, who you've worked with at Surrey for many years? Did did that transition to Islamabad prove a smooth one because of that? That definitely helps, absolutely. You know, having familiar faces, people you've worked with. Azza, obviously, he was bowling coach at um, well, I, at a few teams I played for, he's he's the uh, bowling coach and was head coach at Islamabad. So that really that was nice, you know, to have that sort of point of call of someone who you have. A, I've had a uh, relationship with some years. Um, he looked after me beautifully. To be honest, it was a great experience. I'd never been to Pakistan. I'd never been to the PSL before. Um, I, you know, I touched on it. The standard, the quality of fast bowlers there is phenomenal. Honestly, it was it was just a great experience. Culturally, I loved it. It was just a shame we couldn't get out and about, to be honest. You know, obviously the security was next level, but the people were great, um, you know, so hospitable. Everyone wants to chat mostly about cricket, <laughs> but um, look, it was great. I had, a, I had a good time and yeah, having Hales, Manners, and then a few other guys, you sort of build relationships from playing around the circuit, etc., um, it's always nice. You mentioned about uh, your back and, and the stress reaction or, or stress fracture that you had uh, during the latter part of the winter. Was that the key reason for you not playing first-class cricket this past summer? Or, or was it more, look, I want to concentrate on white ball cricket. The loads are less, obviously, to an extent. And obviously, there's there's the T20 World Cup coming up next year in the USA and the Caribbean. What what was your thinking there in opting not to play any red ball cricket this summer? Yeah, well, I mean, I actually I decided not to play red ball cricket this summer before I knew I had a another stress fracture. So no, that wasn't the reasoning. I actually, I mean, there was quite there's a few reasons to be honest. I mean, 
uh, one of them being that, you know, I, not just my back, my, I'd had a couple of niggles throughout that period. And then I'd had obviously come to the ILT, had a good block of playing there, um, the PSL. And then the plan was to hopefully have a couple of quiet months, you know, while fit, keep building on this little block of playing and then get into the white ball stuff in the summer. You know, absolutely. You know, it's no secret that the the opportunities in franchise and white ball cricket now are huge. Um, you know, my personal ambitions probably, I'm probably closer to getting back in the uh, white ball side than I am the red ball side. And for me, although I do still have personal ambitions, or you know, I still have a big part of me loves playing red ball cricket and would love to play red ball cricket again. Um, but for me to get anywhere near that England side and Red Bull cricket again, I would it would probably mean you know two, three. I don't know. I'd I'd have to you know earn those stripes and grind away playing Red Bull cricket. And in my thinking, I didn't want to come back from Pakistan knowing that I didn't really want to be playing and giving you know bowling twenty five overs in a day how I u- usually do it because I can't really play in a team where I'm just like oh let me just have three you know if I'm gonna play I want to give it my all. Um, and the, the I made that decision s- simply just to not get, to protect my you know my relationships with Surrey and everyone. I didn't want to get back from the PSL and be like, oh guys, I'm not feeling like playing red ball cricket. So yeah, I chatted had a chat with Alex Stewart, who was who was great, understood you know the reasonings. It's not that I didn't want to; it was just from a you know a body and a, a health perspective. And yeah, I decided that was that. I was still contracted actually to play Red Bull cricket. So, you know, at a fi- financially, it was not at my benefit to to not play. You know, I decided to just sign a white ball contract for that summer. Um, and then I got injured. So it actually worked. It was it was frustrating that. Um, and it, you know, but at the same time, you know, I'd, I, I was pretty content with my decision for that year, you know, um, and probably looking at doing similar this year. And then who knows? I'll be close to 30 then. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Look, in terms of what you did then for Surrey, you played as a specialist batter apart from in the final of the uh, of the T20 Blast. And you had a terrific time with the bat, actually. You got, what, 229 runs at a strike rate of close to 150. Did you enjoy that extra responsibility with the bat? I know some all-rounders say that they, they like having the extra string to their bow because if they fail in one discipline, uh, they know they can make it up in the other. But you put all your eggs in that batting basket, and actually, it came up uh, came up smelling of roses, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, I did. I did enjoy it. I love playing for Surrey. Surrey's my home, and I love the boys. I love playing at the Oval. It's it's you know second to none. But I didn't enjoy it too much this year. Just not necessarily. I didn't enjoy it. I enjoyed playing, of course. But I, I, you know, I moved positions multiple times. I. Just mentally, I didn't. F- I, w- I would love to do it again and go out. And when I got given that opportunity to bat at four, to go and bat at four, how I bat at six, you know, there was we. It was just a bit of not as much clarity, and yeah, I ended up then going back down to six, seven, and finished finished well, sort of in that finisher role. But I wish I could have that go at four again and just go and try and bang it and either get out in the first five balls or get closer to trying to you know, get those big scores, big scores. Well, you rolled from there, of course, into the 100, and you had that fantastic time under Vipers Director of Cricket, Tom Moody. You took nine wickets there, which was the third highest tally for the side, and then you made that match-turning 67 for the Oval Invincibles from 34 balls in the final. An incredible partnership, really, with Jimmy Neesham, 127 in 64 balls. 
that was after you'd been 34 for five. Unbelievable. Just talk us through that final and your contribution, because that that's one of the great turnarounds in any cricket match, really, isn't it? No, that was unbelievable. I don't know how, yeah, we won that, but it was just an incredible, incredible day. You know, sort of linking back to what I said there when I when I said about batting four is, um, and I had it in, I've had it in my mind for a period of time, not necessarily carrying it into this final, but um, you know, the the most valuable knocks or the best knocks are the ones that. You know, when a team's in in trouble, someone comes in and and still sort of takes the game on and gets gets a match winning score. You know, Laurie Evans did it for the Scorchers in the final when they were sort of three down early, and he came out and just banged it. Um, and you know, that was kind of in my mind a little bit when I came. When uh, more from a sense of, I just, we were thirty four for five, and I thought, well, I mean, if we get knock it around and get one hundred and ten, we're not going to win. You know. Um, I feel like personally I get into better positions when I'm being positive anyway. So that was just really it. I spoke with Nish and we, yeah, I kind of, I don't know. It's really hard. People say, what were you thinking? I don't really know. It was like I tried to be calm and just be in the moment um, and tell myself, be positive. I'd obviously, I'd had a, I'd been in some decent form. So I knew I was batting well. And yeah, I just tried to be positive and we managed to get 160 odd somehow and we, 100 so it was an incredible day it really was it was an incredible tournament to be honest moods that and that's where the, I, I felt a different shift in my mentality really as soon as I walked into that environment with moods I knew I was backed there I'm batting six you know and I, I was striking it well I just felt backed and I felt confident and yeah luckily Luckily, we we won it, but it was it was an amazing tournament. You mentioned Tom Moody there. Have you had any conversations with him about your role going forward? Because I, I know, on the one hand, you like to see yourself as a finisher with the bat, but on the other hand, as we just discussed, you'd love to bat as high as you possibly could. It, it, it's a it's an interesting conundrum, isn't it? No, it is. Yeah, uh, I mean, I look, I'm, I always have some bad with moods saying to try and get me up the order, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, I I know the most the most valuable players are really in that that sort of role. You know, if I if I can keep developing my batting and my bowling to try and you know, you know, the players I don't know like Hardik Pandya, Pollard, these guys that are coming in at the end and changing the game. That's the sort of that's the benchmark that I'm sort of um, I feel like fits fits me quite nicely, and if I can keep developing and you know try and become well half the <laughs> half the hit to that Pollard is, but you know that sort of role, and if I can if I'm finishing innings at five six, you know five's probably one high one too high for moods <laughs> is liking, um, but you know that sort of role coming in where in the back end of the innings um, and add that to my bowling. I'd like to think that I'm, I become valuable to teams. So, yeah. Look, at the end of the summer, you then headed to the Caribbean to play for the Trinbago Knight Riders, featuring in one match against the Barbados Royals. You didn't have a bat, but you opened the bowling. It was an incredible game, really, because you, you, run, you won by 133 runs, which in T20 cricket is is unheard of, really. How did, how did that switch to the Caribbean come about? And, and what was that experience like? Yeah, no, it was good. It uh, came about, where did it come about? So, uh, it's, yeah, it was just during the 100, really. I think when Sunil went back to the Caribbean, he must have had a word. I think uh, the TKR had a couple of dropouts, maybe injury um, and I asked if I was keen to go straight from the hundred. So 
yeah, ended up flying night after the final. So morning, that next morning, which was an interesting flight. But yeah, I the hundred the hundred I also I dived. I don't know if you saw that game against the Welsh Fire when I dived in for the we tied it. Thankfully got the point because my shoulder I hurt my shoulder there diving. So I missed four games during the hundred. Um and then yeah, finished the finished the hundred and went to the CPL, but I just it didn't feel right. My shoulder didn't feel right, my knee was sore. Um and it was you know, I looked at the schedule. It was kind of like there's a three-month block now until again where I have Big Bash, ILT, which are two like two back-to-back big tournaments for me, which I want to be really hitting the ground running. Um, so to just get the rig right in that little uh, period and get a nice little training block in seemed like the right thing to do me, uh, moving forward for this next 12-18 month period. Well, that Caribbean experience actually brought you into close contact with quite a few players, didn't it? You've mentioned Sonny on the Rhine there, who you've played with uh, at the Oval, but there was also Andre Russell, Dwayne Bravo, Kyron Pollard, Nicholas Puran, all of them key figures in opposition teams in the ILT20. Did he manage to take any useful learnings from being in the same dressing room as them? Mate, that was an amazing experience for me, honestly. I enjoyed that a lot. Spending time with those guys, watching the way they operate. You know, one thing that stood out was the intensity in training. It was it was amazing. I really, really enjoyed that. You know, I played against some of these guys from my, my start when I first started and I've been watching some of them for longer. So, you know, to, to mix in and amongst them and see that, yeah, I really enjoyed that. You know, you have the likes of like Russell running into Pollard and like properly getting in the battle, you know, Akil Hussain and these guys who are, you know, big, you know, they play a lot of cricket for the West Indies national side and all the T20s around the world. But the the intensity that they created in training and that competitive natural streak that the Caribbean boys had, I didn't quite see. I'd never really played that much with them in person. So that I loved. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. And I thought it was something that, you know, we can take into, I think most teams should be doing, you know, that sort of simulated match practice, match intensity under pressure. You know, you have your your teammates fielding and you're facing your strike bowler for your team in a game scenario. And there's that real competitive streak, you know, it's as, as close you'll get to in-game under pressure moments. Um, against quality players so I thought it was that was a small thing that stood out for me but it was a great experience and I'd love to go back because I owe them a few games now I think but they were all great people and it was it was class good experience it's fascinating to hear you talk about those individuals as as really intense high intensity practice because you always think of them uh, as being the most relaxed guys out on the laid back uh, strange isn't it it was it was it was quality it really was now, you were part of England's Cricket World Cup side in, in 2019, but obviously the defence hasn't gone according to plan. Far from it, in fact. As a member of that winning squad from four years ago, can you put your finger on what's gone so wrong this time? Because you know I, I've heard so many different reasons that, that have been thrown forward. You as a current player, what do you, what do you think has happened? Yeah, I mean, of course, everyone will have reasons and things, you know, and when you're losing, that's what happens. But no, I can't put my finger on it, to be honest. And I mean, I haven't I haven't read too much stuff, but just from listening to a couple of the interviews and from chatting just to a couple of the guys, 
I don't think there is anything in particular, you know, that's sport, you know, and sometimes it just, it just happens like that. I've no doubt that it's not through lack of effort or lack of preparation or any of those things. I think that just sometimes happens in sport. You know, you, it's a little bit of a different team, maybe not as, I mean, I didn't even play in the 2019 world cup. So this is not me saying, oh, the 2019 team was better, but maybe there was a bit more stability and selection there. Um, you know, the 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 team that had, was playing in that World Cup was sort of been unchanged for the three, four-year period build up to that. And I know that from being a part of the group is, you know, you didn't get just get easy games, you know, unless there was injuries or whatever. Morg's newest side and that and that was the side. So maybe that's something. But again, you know, at the end of the day, you know, the, the players that are out there are all the best players in England and are selected because they 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 are that. And at the end of the day, they just haven't performed. So yeah, that's that's my opinion. Tom Curran with some fascinating thoughts on the first season of the DP World ILT20, as well as his highs and lows through the rest of the year, and on why, in his opinion, England have struggled so badly at the Cricket World Cup. I hope you enjoyed it, and the good news is there's plenty more to come, as in the next episode of Vipers Voices, we have the second part of the interview with Tom, in which he looks forward to Season 2, which is due to get underway on January the 19th. The Vipers first match of the tournament will come on day three that's Sunday the 21st of January against the Abu Dhabi Knight Riders at the Dubai International Stadium. And that's it for another episode. If you have any comments on the podcast, then please feel free to get in touch with us via email at media at thedesertvipers.com. That's media at thedesertvipers.com. And remember, you can follow the team and get all the latest news as the build-up to Season 2 continues by hunting up the Desert Vipers on all the major social media channels and by visiting the website, thedesertvipers.com. We'll be back with more Desert Vipers chat soon, but for now, this is Brian Murgatroyd, and as ever, thanks so much for listening.